eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast as we recap Illinois. Finally, a loss. The first time in six weeks, they suffer a loss. Of course, they had bye weeks involved there, but Illinois' four-game win streak snapped as they lose to number 17 Iowa, 19 to 10. They fall to six and five going into the regular season finale against Northwestern, who is now uh, 0 and 8 during Big Ten play, 2 and 9 overall. Jeremy Warner, Isaac Trotter, and this is a disappointing game, but in a completely different way than last year. Of course, last year, 63 nothing. We all know how that tasted. This one feels a lot different to me, Isaac, and I'm not going to say I'm like this is a moral victory or anything like that, but it's nice that at this point of the program, we're picking apart little things in the game, little turning points in the game, the interceptions, you know, a missed field goal, Lovey Smith's end of clock management, like, right, like end of the half clock management, those kind of things, his decision making, those little things that turn a game against Iowa, against the number 17 team in the country, one of the Big Ten West best programs. I know it's that's kind of saying a moral victory, but that's what we're talking about right now. Not about, man, where's this program at? This program has proven it can not only beat Wisconsin, it can beat Michigan State, it can play with Iowa, it can play with these teams. So not Ohio State and those kind of teams yet, but it can play with its Big Ten competition. I completely agree. I think I talked to Dre Brown afterward, and he said that Iowa's the toughest place in the Big Ten that he's had to play with. And I'm going to trust him because he's a six-year senior, fifth-year senior. He knows what he's doing. And this is a tough place to play. There's 57,000, and you had a chance to win that game with two minutes left in the game. You are still in that game with two minutes left. So, yeah, I think I am. I leave this game fine with it, but I think a big reason why I'm fine with how this game played out today is because Illinois is 6-5 and five already, you know what I mean? If, if they had lost to Michigan State last week, maybe Daniel Barker drops that play in the end zone, and this was a game you had to have to get to bowl eligibility, I would have been much more nervous or much more frustrated with how today went. But for the most part, I thought Illinois dominated the line of scrimmage. I thought defensively they made a lot of plays. I thought they were putting some bad positions often by your Illinois offense and this is a really really good Iowa defense this is their best defense scoring wise in 70 years they haven't held opponents to this few points in 70 years so for Illinois to be in this game and to be nitpicking about little different things that's a that's a sign of progress this roster is a whole lot closer to Iowa than it is to Rutgers right now and we we were still very concerned about where they were in the Big Ten wise at the beginning of the season, especially after Eastern Michigan. And you mentioned it there, the line of scrimmage. Illinois won that today. 
right? I mean, rushing yards, Illinois had 192 today. Only Wisconsin has rushed for more yards against Iowa. Only three teams have rushed for more than 125. That's Illinois, Iowa, or Illinois, Minnesota, or sorry, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Penn State. That That's really impressive that Illinois is in that company. And kudos to Brandon Peters, who obviously had some big mistakes today with the three turnovers that really cost Illinois. But you did that. Their rushing game. It's not good. The Iowa rushing game is not very good. They only had 79 yards though today against Illinois. Illinois is the team that we said, oh, this team ran for the most rushing yards in a year against Illinois. Usually they're setting the season high against Illinois. So I think that's a sign of progress that you're winning the line of scrimmage against a team like this or against a team like Wisconsin or Michigan State. I think that's pretty impressive. So that's a sign of me for progress because what is Iowa known for? Winning the line of scrimmage. That's how they have the program year after year that goes to a bowl game. So I thought that was pretty encouraging. And with Illinois not winning the turnover battle for the first time since Eastern Michigan, their defense still kept them in the game. I think that's a nice sign, too. Yeah, I feel like the game came down to two plays. And one of them was when Daley Harding went and blitzed Nate Stanley perfectly, had him ripped to the ground, and somehow, someway, Stanley slings his way out of it, throws a 40-yard pass down the field, field goal. And compared to the other play where Illinois does a you know a pitch back to from Dre Brown pitches it back to Brandon Peters who throws into the end zone towards the matter baby anytime you target a matter baby I'm not going to complain right but that play was probably not the best call and it, it's picked off and it felt like that was the difference in the ball game right there and that's it but overall. Iowa got after Brandon Peters and, and hit him three times, or quarter, Illinois quarterbacks three times. Two of those were against Matt Robinson on the last two plays of the game when you know Matt's just scrambling for his life trying to throw the ball deep down the field. So you're offensively, you dominated the line of scrimmage. Defensively, they couldn't run against you. They had a couple times down the seam that you'd like to have back or a couple missed near interceptions that you didn't get back. But overall, Illinois played a pretty clean game. Other than for those a couple of those takeaway or turnovers that you want to have back, Illinois played a clean game. You were right there to win it. And again, this program's not at a place where you can go moral victory every single time, but it feels a lot like the Michigan game where you go, okay, you're right there. You're proving that you are right there with teams that are upper echelon in the country. And I think you're setting the table for next year to be a really special season. Right. So like today, it was a huge missed opportunity, right? So if people think we're being too positive, it's a huge missed opportunity. You could have certified yourself going to possibly a warm weather bowl game today. As the players said, they might have been in the rankings this week. A lot of them said that after the game, by the way. So I think the coaches put it in their head, hey, you can be a top 25 team in the country if you beat Iowa this weekend because you're racking up wins and including against some really impressive opponents. So that was on their mind. They didn't get that. But I think they did prove again that they're legit. I mean, they, they are a legit tough out. They're a legit threat to beat good teams in the Big Ten. But when we come back, let's talk about why they didn't uh, beat a really good Big Ten team this weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
all right, the turnover fairy left the Illinois sideline. I think that's the biggest thing that happened in this game is, one, the defense was only able to get one takeaway, and I thought Nate Stanley gave them an opportunity. He missed some throws. I mean, he threw for 308 yards, no touchdowns, but that was a. I didn't think Nate Stanley had all that good of a game. They, they got some big chunks, but I didn't think he was that good, and they missed some opportunities for takeaways. But the biggest thing is, The other side of that turnover margin is Illinois only had three turnovers over the previous four games, all wins. They have three of them today. Brandon Peters accountable for all of them. Uh, Two interceptions, one that was really poor on that Amator Bebe throw, and then, of course, one of the first drives of the game just threw a really, really bad pass. His first multi-interception game of the season. Can't have that. You need your quarterback to outplay the other quarterback, and even though Stanley didn't have a very good game and Peters was able to rush the ball really well, he did not outplay Stanley and made two big mistakes. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers, Nate Stanley started 4-for-4 four four for 92 yards. After that point, he went 14-for-31. You'll take that every single day. I mean, and, and he didn't throw for a touchdown today, too, and that's one of the best quarterbacks in Iowa history. So I thought the Illinois defensively played very, very well. And it comes down to we, – we said it, though, all week. Illinois football needs to win that turnover battle. They've done that over the last few weeks. They had 12 turnovers in the last four games compared to just three. So that you had a plus nine in that. And today – you're minus two you have a pick interception in the end zone that's the ball game that's the ball game when you're driving down six and you fumble that's the ball game well and another missed opportunity we didn't even bring up is uh peter's missing daniel barker in the seam for what could have been a huge play some people were calling it a drop i'm putting that more on no. peter's that was underthrown you could tell peter's thought that was on him it hit what barker in the shins yeah. that, i mean so maybe He's there's in a- full speed having to stop turn around and spin like that's not on you man what's that a 10 percent catch probability for doing baseball here in Statcast or whatever it is so uh that would have been very difficult to get in but there were a lot of drops today and that's where baby had a few navarro had one going right through his wickets like uh you gotta be able to make those plays and those are the little things. Defensively, I thought this team was really good against the run, but the pass, the coverage they gave up, way big, way too big of uh, uh, openings in the, in the middle of the field to those tight ends and fullbacks. But I thought the biggest issue was no pass rush. You get Batiku back, he had one quarterback hurry. That's all they got all see all, all day. And Batiku didn't play even all that much. Um, but that the lack of pass rush, it's been there even during the win streak. They don't have it. And their two best pass rushers, Batiku's been out for most of it. Jake Hansen out today. I thought that really hurt them because he's the best blitzer on this team. And I think Jamal Woods out right, is another big one because that's another key piece on this defensive line who his numbers might not look great, but he's had plenty of tackles for losses that slipped out of his hand, and he just hasn't been able to get it. So I, I am still concerned about the pass rush. I think we've been concerned about it throughout the entire season. But at the end of the day, this Iowa offensive line was supposed to dominate you, and they didn't. You're starting to see this gap here and that's I mean you could say I mean at the beginning of the year when we were listing our biggest concerns I think defensive line was possibly number one for us maybe quarterback two we were really concerned about that but defensive line was number one for us and they were fine today you got to get more of a pass rush. That's recruiting. That's why I think next year, that's why the development of Keith Randolph and Seth Coleman and, and the ability to redshirt those guys this year is so, so massive because you need some of those guys next year. And you're losing three defensive tackles who are seniors. You need to be able to go out on this, especially in this grad transfer market or JUCO market, and find some high-impact guys because I don't think you can roll into next year with you know Calvin Avery, Dion Pate as your starting defensive tackles to go along with Batiku and Owen Carney or Isaiah Gay, one 
of those guys and, and feel okay and feel fine. You got to go get some reinforcements there. But I, I think we're nitpicking again, right? And, and, and that's okay. That's okay at this point. You're going into next week against Northwestern. That's horrible. And you need to play them at home. And they don't have a quarterback. You need to win that game. And at the end of the day, if Illinois gets to seven wins, that's a pretty, I mean, with, with close losses to Michigan and Iowa, that's a really, really good season. And Nebraska, too. Um, let's get into it. Uh, this is really, and I get it, uh, we were sitting there in the press box going, what is going on? Uh, the the f- final drive of the first half, Illinois actually got some nice yardage on it, but ran four plays uh, over a 152 length of, of time. And it was like, okay, you, you got to run two-minute drill here. you got to get going. And, and they were subbing people. They were taking their time calling plays. I can understand you don't want to give Iowa another chance to score. We also got to try and put it in the end zone, right? And and they didn't seem like they were trying to put it in the end zone, probably because they got the ball at the end of half. But Lovey admitted, even before we asked, that if he could have changed something at the end of the half, he would have. And then Bob Osmussen followed up, what would you have changed? He said, punt. That was my only other thing, which was interesting. He didn't want to kick a 55-yard field goal. He said they were out of range. Uh, the, the wind was coming in a little bit. So I can understand that going for the field goal. But he called two timeouts back-to-back. And I asked him, why'd you call the second timeout? And he got a little defensive, as Lovey tends to do. Um, but he said, we, there's a reason we call it. And um, we, we, needed yeah, right. we needed to get the play right. We didn't have enough time to get the play right, which I think is an issue, right? I mean, if you would have got that first down completion – you would have had to clock it, and you're, you might not have enough time to do it. You didn't give yourself, Peters, a chance to call timeout if he saw that blitz coming, which he would have seen. Uh, so it just ruined that play. They get a sack. Iowa has one big play down the sideline, and they kick a field goal. That's a six-point swing or a big-point swing and a big shift in momentum And what was a big game. So did it decide the game? No. But the end of half – decision-making by Lovey Smith has been an issue all season long. Yeah, here's my hypothesis about this. It felt like Illinois called the timeout because they wanted to kick the field goal. And Rod Smith got in somebody's ear and goes, I got to play for this. We're going for it on fourth down. And maybe Lovey looks up at the play clock and goes, oh, there's only 10 seconds, so I got to call timeout again. You know, it's tough. I don't don't know if if that was the case or they went and they thought field goal – and then they saw the wind or measured the wind right. at the time. I mean, there's a lot of things that could go into that change it, but you'd hope that decision was made when they call the first time out. That, that's what you want, that game management stuff that at times the end of half this year, I mean, this isn't a new thing, no. right? Just the game managing at the end of halves has been, a, has been an issue for him. Yeah, and I appreciate the honesty where Lovey Smith says, yeah, he'd, he'd want to have it back. And let's be honest here, guys. If, if we're sitting here and Lovey Smith punts that football, he's getting crucified on Twitter Maybe too. more so. Right. <laughs> So he go oh same old lovey there it is again so I, I he is kind of in a tough spot and we wouldn't be having this conversation if Donnie Navarro catches it on third down and move in I think I would have more appreciated the plan of it if it's third and six and you're going for a field goal like you say I'm cool with running it one more time to get four yards closer and set McCord up for a 51 yard kick I know he missed one in the second half but at that point you still have confidence we've seen him kick long long field goals throughout this entire season I'd feel okay with that but it felt like Illinois was going back and forth and what they were really trying to do, and you just can't have that. You have to have a plan. And some people on Twitter were saying afterward how you know the, the big pass to Tyrone Tracy that set up the field goal right at the end of the first half hit the ground. Well, if you have one of those timeouts, you can use that to look at that play and try to challenge it. So it's just a lot of different things there. And I, it's not one play. That's not the reason why Illinois lost that game. But if you manage that a little bit better, the end of this game could have been a whole lot different. You're in a totally different scenario in, in what you try to do skill-wise and scheme-wise towards 
toward the end. You might have a one-possession game rather than a two-possession game with Matt Robinson in the game, right? And you have a situation, too, where it might change. You don't do that flea flicker, and you try to kick another field goal to get a little bit more of a lead there, too. So it changes everything. If, ands, buts, so much stuff here. It goes back and forth. At the end of the day, Illinois was in a top 20 programs on their home field on a place where they never lose on senior night, had a chance to win, just didn't find a way. But at the same time, like I I think the whole – criticism of this is just the process right like what's your process what does it make sense and in the moment it just didn't make a lot of sense of them taking their time right it didn't make a lot of sense to take two timeouts and it would have made some sense to punt right but it didn't make a lot of sense to to go for it and to take two timeouts that's what it just didn't make a lot of sense all right we come back let's single out some stars of the game that's next Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. When I was doing my quick hits, Isaac, I was struggling to do a star of the game. I thought uh, Iowa's secondary was really, really good. Their front sevens, I mean, that defense is really, really good. Uh, They had some tight ends, fullbacks really step up as a group. Smith-Marset was really good. But from the Illini perspective, I'll say Brandon Peters as a runner was a star of the game. I mean, he opened things up with that running game and got some big chunks. A 37-yard run, uh, had a 15- or 18-yard run earlier in the game as well. That's a that's a weapon, and you can tell Illinois is doing that. And you know he he also runs when some plays break down too. But you can tell Illinois is doing that because they are selling out on the running back. So they have single high safety, and he's got man to man, and the guy leaves, and there's a huge chunk in the middle of the in the middle of the field. So Peters is doing that really well here recently. Yeah, that that running attack opened things up too for Dre Brown and Reggie Corbin later, and and Reggie Corbin's beat up. You saw him in and out of the game multiple times today. It looked like he was dealing with a foot injury. So those guys had a keyed in on him by a defense that really is good against stopping the run and you still found a way to put up 192 rushing yards and really that number should be a little bit higher without some of those sacks right at the very end by Matt Robinson where he got sacked which which lowers that number a bit so overall I, I thought the running game was a huge plus especially after the last couple of weeks where it's taken a little bit to get going and now you showcase you can do that I feel really confident heading into the nor- this Northwestern game like that game is going to be tough it's not going to be a, an easy game I feel like it could be a close game but at the end of the day Illinois talent wise is much more talented than Northwestern, and that wasn't the case last year at all, at all. Offensively, I think they are, but, I mean, your offense you know, hasn't been great here, so I, I think that'll be a competitive game. We'll get to that. Uh, you're going ahead here. Um, but Vidarian Lowe's got to get a lot of love. The offensive line has got to get a little love, right? I mean, they shut down A.J. Epinesa for the most part. Now, he got a tackle and a half for loss, but he didn't have a sack. Uh, they had two sacks, as you said, late in the game. But they got the run game going. Eventually, Dre Brown got some holes. Reggie Corbin got some holes. That offensive line was fantastic. And I thought Tymeer Oliver had, had a really, really good game up front, a defensive tackle. And then one more guy I'll mention, of course I have to, Nate Hobbs. Uh, I thought he was fantastic in pass coverage. Had a, he, I thought he had a couple pass breakups and also uh, had a tackle for loss. Just a really physical player on the edge. Uh, and, you know, Dele Harding, just in typical 12 tackle, tackle and a half loss. Milo Lifeford made a couple tackles for loss. 
I thought there were some good signs from certain individuals, especially front seven on defense and the, the offensive line. Yeah, I think the improvement that the run defense has made over the last few. I mean, just think about where we were back when Nebraska came to town and rushed for 363 yards. And the next week, Minnesota goes for 332, and Michigan gets 295. Like, But after that Wisconsin game, they have really locked down for the most part. Now, Michigan State did well. They had 275 rushing yards, but held Wisconsin under 200 yards, held Purdue under 200 yards. Held Rutgers under 200 yards. Held Iowa under 100 yards today. You're well, starting. A lot of these are like under four yards per carry. I right. mean, these are 50 something, 40 yard or 40 carry days for these teams. Especially when you go back to Nebraska. Nebraska averaged seven yards a carry against you. Or no, I'm sorry, 5.7 yards a carry, seven yards a play. So you're seeing this defense start to lock in. They're much more sound. They don't make those. Big, big mistakes. You can pick apart what they did in, in pass coverage. I, and I thought Kalen Tolson was not very good today in pass coverage or times where they were able to pick on him down the field a little bit. I think you're seeing some in- instances where Illinois had a couple chances to pick some balls off that they didn't get. I know that Sidney Brown was irritated he didn't get another one. Daley Harding was irritated he didn't get another one. So there are opportunities out there that you need to get. But overall, this defense looks much more well-coached than they were a few weeks ago. And I think that says a lot about the guys and it says a lot about the coaching staff and I think Lou Hernandez deserves some credit here because physically and strength wise they're not getting manhandled like they were last year or and and now you're starting to see them be much more on par with some of these other Big Ten foes. Yeah, and I think you got to give some credit to the depth of the team, too, that, you know, you get some backups, get in Nick Walker and Devin Witherspoon, and I thought they were pretty decent today. Um, and you're just tackling better, right? Like, those safeties back there were Stanley Green and Cindy Brown. You're just tackling better. And Tony Adams, when he was healthy or is healthy, when you got him and Nate Hobbs, they just got such a better back end of your team that you're not giving up these 40, 50-yard runs regularly throughout a game. So I think that's important. All right, when we come back, let's, let's look ahead a little bit to Northwestern, what that game means. Well, I'll get Isaac's thoughts on Adam Miller. I've given a little bit of mine, uh, but let's uh, do that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Northwestern. I mean, what are we expecting the spread to be? Illinois at home. It was 13 and a half against Minnesota going to that game. And hey, you know, um, they barely covered that. They only won by 16 today. I know some of that was late by Northwestern. Minnesota had that game in hand most of the way. But I do think this is going to be maybe a little bit more competitive. I don't think this is just a gimme game because for Northwestern, this is their Super Bowl, right? They went from first to worst in the Big Ten West, haven't won a Big Ten game. So for them to beat uh, Illinois, force them to a lower bowl game, they're going to be up for this one. Now, I don't know if they can score, but their defense outside of this Minnesota game, like they can still stop some people. So, yes, I think Illinois should be a nine and a half, ten point favorite or something like that. But um, Illinois can't walk through this one because Northwestern's going to be up for this. You hit it right on the head. I think it's going to be a nine and a half point spread. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And I will say this like, I think Northwestern defensively 
has been sound for the most part this year. But Illinois has gone through a gauntlet of defenses that they've played against. Iowa's really good. Michigan State is a really good defense. I, I, we all know how good Wisconsin is defensively. So you've played – Michigan is a really good defense. So I, I think Northwestern will be solid, but I like all four of those defenses more than Northwestern. So I think you'll be able to see this offense get back on track, especially what they did today at the line of scrimmage. I'm encouraged by yeah. that. So I, I think you got a chance. But defensively, I really want to see Illinois instill their will. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just Northwestern shouldn't get more than 14 to 17 points. This feels like if you play like you did against Purdue, you should win, right? Take care of the ball, run the ball, and just dominate defensively. Because I know the weather's not going to be a factor, but Northwestern doesn't have game breakers. Their quarterback play has been awful for the most part this year. Tree maybe? Yeah, so I I think this is a Dre Brown, Reggie Corbin, get us going game and and have a couple opportunities in the pass game. Don't make make the big mistakes in the game, and I think you should be fine. It might not be that fun to watch, but I think you I I feel confident that Illinois will be be able to get that done. And again, look where we're at. Like, I I, I hate to be so positive, but at the end of the day, you you lost say, but you you're t- you're close. You're tight. You're fighting right there. You don't look overmatched at any by any means. In fact, you kind of feel like you gave it to them a little bit down the stretch. And now you have a chance to win seven games. And after Eastern Michigan, the fact that you have a chance to win seven games like that just shocks me. Well, and now it feels like. You're probably putting is Jacksonville out of the picture. Like the Red Box Bowl could still Illinois be. Is not going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they're not winning the Big Ten West. Yeah, that, that is done. That is done. But I still don't think Detroit's going to happen. I still I still think they're good enough not to go to Detroit. But you want to make sure you win this game so that you're not going to Detroit. You'd rather go to New York City th- than Detroit. I think they won't be able to go to Detroit because Michigan State should win next week to get to six and six, and you got the head, the head to head over them. So I think Michigan State will head there. And I don't even know if we know if uh, Big Ten's going to fill out on their bowls because right. Nebraska are they going to get there probably not you know what I mean so we'll see how that goes and we'll see if uh, the Big Ten gets a couple more New Year's six teams in because yeah. that could elevate everybody a bowl game as well all right before we get out of here Adam Miller commits to the University of Illinois basketball now has the top recruiting class in the Big Ten he did not sign though so Isaac I'll just ask you what were your thoughts on that I think that that is a huge day for Brad Underwood. I think that for a guy that you brought in to be an X and O's coach, for him to recruit the way he's done over the last little span here is really, really impressive. And to be honest, I'm not that concerned that he didn't sign. Do you know why? Because if you do what you need to do on the court this year and you go win 21 games, 22 games, and Io goes pro, Adam Miller's going to be in a lineup. Sure, you could be nervous about Michigan and everything, but this is a kid who has all the leverage in the world, and he should use it because he is a really, really talented basketball player. Player, and you've put yourself in great position with his family to lock this down if you do what you need to do. If Illinois doesn't get Adam Miller, it's a lot. It's probably because Illinois didn't do it. They, it didn't accomplish their goals throughout this season. So if they go out and have the year that he's, they're supposed to have and take care of business, Adam Miller's an Illini, and you're talking about a backcourt of Andre Curbelo, Trent Frazier, and Adam Miller. Sign me up all day for that, especially with a front court that you absolutely love right now. Yeah, I mean, it's great to keep one of the top in-state kids in-state, and uh, he, he made a big production of it, right? So yeah, it'd be weird for him to do that and then not go someplace, but we've seen some of that before. Um, I don't worry as much about it because, okay, I do think it's about Io. I think it's about Illinois 1 making the tournament, uh, but I do think it's about is Io DeSumo going to go pro. I think he will, so I think Adam Miller's going to end up here. But if it turned out he didn't, either way, isn't that a win-win situation for Illinois? Io DeSumo is a third-year guy. That would mean Io maybe doesn't have the year we think he'd have, um, but uh, I, I think at the end of the day, that's a great day for Illinois basketball. Yeah, and, right. and if you want to freak out about it or you don't want to celebrate it until the end, most of these guys who are commit, most of them stay. 
Um, so I, I still think Illinois, given all the pull, given all the relationships they have, and given that Adam wants to stay closer to home, I, I think that is important. Anytime a top 30 kid pulls out a wolf face mask that's orange and blue with an orange eye on it, that's a really good day for your program. And you should feel really good about it. Just because he didn't sign on the dotted line doesn't mean anything. In fact, I'm, I'm happy he didn't sign on the dotted line at some points because I don't think the NCAA is a great organization right now, and I want the kids to have power, and he has all the power, and he should because he's a good player. And so I, I think Illinois will be able to get Adam Miller, and that starting lineup next year is dangerous. And you're seeing this program who you've built and built, and I think you're, they're doing what they need to do on the court this year. It hasn't looked pretty, but at the end of the day, you're 4-1. and one, You're at a, a good spot right now, and you have a chance to continue to get better. And next year, that roster next year is setting up for a really, really special year. And that's what you brought Brad Underwood here for. He, the roster that he had when he first got here was not very good, and now what it could look like next year – that's a lot. That speaks to a lot of what Brad Underwood's done. And Josh Whitman deserves credit for that too. Now go win. Go win games, get to the NCAA tournament, and you wonder what this program could be. It's amazing how much the narrative has changed around Illinois, especially in this just this last month with football's resurgence and with basketball getting Curbelo and Miller. Like this is – we talk so much in – What 20- is going on? Right, right. We talk so much though in 2019. Like, well, if this happens, if EJ Liddell, if Drew Timmy, if Oscar Sheba, all of these different things, all of these different pieces come into place, you could have a great class. At the beginning of this class of 2020, we said – Adam Miller, DJ Seward, Andre Curbelo. Those were the three guys. And you got two of those three. Two of those three. You're, you're accomplishing everything you wanted to do. This program is clearly, clearly on the rise. Yeah, and Kofi Coburn's pretty dang good, too. All right, uh, that wraps it up for us at Iowa City. Uh, if you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We've got a lot of content coming out from this. I talked with Matt Millen of Big Ten Network, and he's been on the call for four of the last five games that Illinois had, uh, including three during that win streak. So good insight from him about Lovey Smith, about what he thinks he can do in the Big Ten. Isaac's got some stories coming out of this as well. And, of course, Derek is back at uh, Champaign covering Illinois basketball against Hampton tonight. So uh, subscribe to us, rate us, review us on the podcast, subscribe to the site. You can still get us for $1 for the first month. Give us a try. But we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.